That was intense. Very intensive. In fact, some of you may have been listening to or reading those words and thinking to yourself, is that really what Christianity is about? Is it really that radical? Is that, did Jesus really make those kinds of statements? You have to hate your mother and your brother and your family. Did, did Jesus really say that? In fact, he did. And if you, uh, if you understand what he's saying, it totally makes sense. What's he saying? He's saying your love for him should be so great, so magnificent, that our love for our family looks like hate in comparison. That's the kind of love that Jesus is looking for. That's what it means to be a disciple. This is our last Sunday asking the question, why cross church? The answer in a, in a, in a, in a short sentence is because we make disciples. Why cross church? Because we believe that God has called us to make disciples, and that's what we do. And I think that we are really faithful at it. And I'm going to tell you and give you examples of that in just a moment. To begin this morning, I want to ask the question, what is, what is the primary purpose of the church? And to help us understand what I mean by primary purpose, let's use the illustration of the primary purpose of a car. What is the primary purpose of a car? I think everybody could answer that question pretty simply, right? It's to get us from point A to point C or B or G or Z, whatever. That's the purpose of a car. That's the primary purpose. The primary purpose is not to keep the gas tank filled. And at the prices that we got to pay for gas, it's a good thing. That's not the primary purpose. The primary purpose is to get us from point A to point B. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter what the car is like as long as it runs, right? That's the primary purpose of a car. Now, the thing is this, is that there are some secondary purposes. Um, we know that if we didn't keep that gas tank filled, then we could never get from point A to point B. Isn't that right? We've got to have the gas tank filled. So that, there is purpose in that, but the primary purpose is that the car gets us around. Has anybody ever heard of um, that guy with the big chin? What's his name? Uh, Jay Leno? He's that late night host. Um, he's got uh, 80, 84 cars in his garage and he's got 73 motorcycles. Do you think that he could drive all these cars all the time? No. Well, what, what do you think the purpose of those cars are for him? Just purely to look at them. Maybe to brag a little bit, to show them off. But if, when you boil it right down, the purpose of a car is to get us from point A to point B. So now I'm going to ask this question. What is the primary purpose of the church? Why do we exist? And you may be surprised at, at what I'm going to say to that because some people have got very strange ideas of what the purpose of the church is. The church is not a place where you come just so that you can enjoy your favorite songs. That's not why we exist. Fantastic music this morning. Thank you, Barry and Ben. But that's not the primary purpose of the church, to give them a place to play music. 
The primary purpose of the church is not just so that you have a place to hang out with your friends. If the primary purpose of the church was just so that you could enjoy fellowship, then I would turn the sanctuary into a great big cafe. I'd bring the cafe from there into here, and then I'd maybe do the sermons out there for about five or ten minutes, and everybody said, no, you're, you're smart not to say anything. Really hurt and go home, and then who's going to talk to you for the next ten minutes? The primary purpose of the church, folks, is this. It's to make disciples. Look at Jesus says here, Matthew 28, verse 19. If you would read, read this with me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know why I do what I do and what you're paying me to do and why this church exists and why we take up offerings here every Sunday, it's so that we can do what Jesus called us to do, and that is to make disciples. The primary purpose of the church then, say it with me, is to? The primary purpose of the church is to make disciples. So here's the thing. If we're going to be successful in this business of making disciples, two things have to happen. First of all, we, as a church, we as a church leadership, I as a pastor, I have got to be intentional in this process of making disciples. I have got to be intentional about making disciples. That's, that's what I've got to be devoting my time and my energy to. So when I spend time in my, in my study through the course of the week, I'm not thinking of ways where I can entertain you. I'm thinking of ways that I can make you into disciples because that's my job. That's what you're paying me for as a congregation. That's why you come here every Sunday. It's because I am trying to be faithful to Jesus' command to go and make disciples. But, you know, here's the thing. That's only half of the deal. The other half of the deal, and this is where you may not like it, you, as disciples of Christ, must respond. You must engage in the process. You must respond to this disciple-making that I'm engaged in as a pastor. In other words, I must do my part, and you must do your part. So let me talk about my part, first of all. My part to make disciples. What is a disciple? If we look at that verse, this verse here, Matthew 28, 19, look at that word disciple. Uh, in the Greek, it literally is uh, making learners. That's what, making, go and make learners. In other words, go make, go make people who are learning from Jesus. Go make, go make people who are following Jesus' example and following Jesus' teaching and doing what Jesus says. That is what a disciple is. And so I want to ask you the question this morning, before we go any further, could you call yourself a disciple based on that definition? Are you living your life out so that you are doing what Jesus did? So that you're speaking like Jesus speaks? so that you have the attitude of Christ? You say, Pastor, I'm not Jesus. You can't expect me to be like Jesus. Oh, yes, I can. Because that is what it means to be a disciple. It means you are acting like and speaking like and thinking like Jesus. That's what a disciple is. Now, here's the thing. 
Our, our mission, the mission of this church, if you want to know, in a sentence, is this. Our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. If you are not growing in your relationship to Jesus Christ, then either I'm not doing my job or you're not doing yours. My job is to lead you in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's my job. And I'm going to tell you in just a moment the many, many ways that we help you grow in your relationship to Christ. But you have to ask yourself that question. Are you engaged? Are you open to what God wants you to do? The greatest church planter, the, the, the one who planted the most churches and did the greatest work, uh, I don't know if the, maybe the most churches, but the, but the most famous churches, is the Apostle Paul. And here's what he said to the leaders in the church of Ephesus. Listen to this. He says in Ephesians 4:11 to 12, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, verse 12, Ephesians 4, their responsibility, ready, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. So my job, according to the Apostle Paul, is to equip you and prepare you and train you to follow Jesus, to build up the body of Christ. As a teacher, as a prophet, as a pastor, as a teacher, my job is to equip you and prepare you to follow Jesus. That's what we're about. That's all it will ever be about here. So here's the thing. If I'm going to equip you and train you to follow Jesus, then I am going to be using this book to get the job done. You'll notice when you come to church on Sunday, I do not quote from the book of Carl Jung or, or uh, Sigmund Freud or, or anybody else. Why? Because I want, to, I want to lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that you become a follower or a disciple of Jesus Christ. So here's what Cross Church does to make it possible for you to follow Jesus in obedience, for you to be a disciple. The very first thing that we do is we try to teach you. We try to instruct you. We put on classes. How many have been to the, the class 101, 201, 301, 401? There's, the, this, there's a discipleship class, the basics of the faith, the faith life class. We have these classes not because I'm looking for things to do, people, because I don't know what to do with my time. I do this because it's my calling, it's my job to teach you the faith, to teach you the truth. The truth, which the Bible says, will set you free. The truth that will make your life better. The truth that will strengthen your faith. That's why we have these classes. The Bible says that faith comes through hearing the Word of God. So here's the thing. If your faith is weak, if you're stumbling in your faith, if you're not where you need to be, if, you're, if you find yourself backsliding, that I would say probably the problem is that you have not been letting this book fill your heart. Does anybody know what this book is, by the way? Say it. Good, that's right, it's a Bible. And I've been using it for many, many years. And this is the guidebook. This is the book that tells you what you need to know in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
Now, there's a lot of people that come to church and they think, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I got baptized. How many know today that being baptized does not make you a Christian? That might come as a shock to some people. How, do you, how, how many know that, that uh, just showing up every Sunday does not make you a Christian? How many know that becoming a member of this church does not make you a Christian? The thing that makes you a Christian is that you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you follow him and you do what he says. That's what this verse says. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then the next verse says, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. That's what Jesus said. So if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then you've got to do the things that Jesus tells us to do in his word. And so that's what I do. That's my job, to teach you that. So that when I put on a class, you think, hmm, what should I do? Should I stay home and watch American Idol? <laughs> should I stay home and watch American Idol? Or shall I go to the class? You see, you have to ask yourself this question this morning. How serious am I? about following Jesus? Am I willing to expend the energy and the time necessary in order for me to grow? I can put on a class. I can prepare great notes for you. I can teach my little heart out. But at the end of the day, if you're not engaged, what's the point? Somebody was telling me the other day about, about the reason why their um, family left the church. Pastor the priest, I guess it was, came to the house and started putting pressure on them to do A, B, and C, and D, and whatever. And the family got turned off and didn't want to be part of it anymore. Well, guess what? I'm not going to be phoning anybody up and saying, hey, why aren't you at the class? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why aren't you doing your part? I'm not going to do that. You know why? Because you're not a disciple of Alan Duncalf. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. You answer to him. So someday I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to give an account. And here's what God's going to say to me. He's not going to say, Alan, did you twist the arm of, of Greg and Poppy? Did you, did you twist Roy's arm? Did you make them do what you said? That's not what he's going to say. He's going to ask me if I was faithful in teaching and preaching the truth that you need to hear, the, the truth that will transform you. That's what I will have to give an account for. Now guess what? I'm not the only one that has to give an account to God. You have to give an account to God as well. And here's what God's going to ask you. Did you take advantage of the opportunity to learn and to grow and to be developed? Did you take the classes that were offered? What are you going to be able to say? Jesus, um, I, was, I stayed home and watched American Idol. Do you think that's going to fly? You figure it out. We do everything we can to help you be a follower of Jesus Christ. We put on classes for you so that you can get involved. We have developed a, a database, actually, where we are helping. We're, we're, we want to keep track of everybody who's part of this church so that we know where they're at in their, in their development. And so you know what we're going to be doing this year? This is one of the exciting things we'll be doing in 2012. We're going to be sending you a report card. It's just between you and God. No, no pressure, no stress. We're going to say, here's the classes that you've taken. Here's what we have, we have you doing. Here's what, we're, here's what we're recording 
what we have on record that you're doing. It's, and it's strictly between you and God. And no pressure, no stress. But here's, what, here's the classes that you can still take. And here's what we're suggesting that you take in order for you to grow. The reason I'm doing that, folks, is because I will have to answer to God as to whether or not I discipled you or not. And I want to hear God say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. We provide opportunities for you to invite people to church. How many have been to the Alpha program? Some here this morning are, are in church today, have actually given their hearts to Christ, and are part of our church because of the Alpha program. The reason that you're here today is because somebody invited you to come to Alpha to discover God for yourself. So we can facilitate this, but if you don't respond, if you don't engage, if you don't say, okay, I'm willing to show up, I'm willing to bring somebody to Alpha, what can I do? You have to engage. I can, I can put on the Alpha program. I can get people to volunteer to cook meals. But at the end of the day, it's you. It's you who has to invite somebody to come out to hear all about Jesus. Helen Weatherup, I'll never forget when she invited her three friends, three or four friends. Um, she said to them, how would you like to go out for um, a, a, a movie and a meal? And they said, sure. And so she brings them to church for spaghetti and to see the Alpha program, which is actually on the, big, on the screen. So technically she's telling the truth. It was a movie. And they came back, and they came back. And they got engaged. And they started following Jesus. And one of them even came with us to Africa last year. Absolutely amazing. We do these things, folks, so that you can live like disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we put the Alpha program on. We put on a big production at Christmas time. I think 63 or 83 uh, volunteers to make that happen. Why do we do it? So that you can invite people to church who wouldn't normally go to church. And why would we do that? Because Jesus tells us to. He tells us to invite people in. He tells us to share his love with them. And we provide and create an opportunity for you to do that. Do you know that at our Christmas production, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there must be 50% of the people that came never, never have been to church or don't go to church. One of the people that was at the production this year was somebody who actually came the year before. His name is Dave. And... Uh, Dave worked at Ashley Furniture, and I was in there one day and, and uh, just checking things out. And I, was, I found myself a really nice uh, reclining, recliner rocker. I didn't buy it yet, so if anybody wants to get me a, Christ, a birthday present, next month, April 6th. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting in the chair, rocking back and forth, put my feet up, and Dave uh, starts talking to me. And uh, he says, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. A what? The pastor, you know, father, priest, minister, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah, I know what that is. I say, I take you, don't go to church. He goes, well, actually, I don't. Now, Dave, Dave uh, maybe, he, he tells me that he actually listens to our, uh, the messages on our website. So, Dave, hi, if you're listening. Come and visit us sometime. Say hi, Dave. <laughs> yeah, 
He may be listening. You don't know. Um, we got chatting, got into conversation, started fair, sharing with him about Jesus. I said, Dave, why don't you come to church? He goes, oh, I don't know about that. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. So well, why don't you come to our Christmas production? Well, I could do that. So he came. And uh, he sat with Gloria and me and a few others. And we got to know him and his, and his lady friend. And he said, you know what? There's something very special about this place, something that I haven't felt before. There's something, there's something about this place. Now, I know what's going on because I've been praying for him. I know it's a work of the Holy Spirit that's tugging at his heart, that's poking him. And some of you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced that yourself, haven't you? You've, ex- you've experienced the Spirit of God poking at you because there's something very different about this place. I said, well, what do you think it is? How would you explain it? He goes, I don't know. I guess there's a feeling of love here. Yes. Yes. I didn't, Dave and I stayed in touch, and then I didn't, didn't hear from him and left Ashley Furniture. But I got a call just a couple days before the Christmas event again. And he says, do you still have those Christmas events? I said, yeah, who am I speaking to? It's Dave. Dave who? You know Dave. <laughs> Remember that, Dave? <laughs> I said, you know what? I've got a spot for you. He goes, well, I'm bringing my girlfriend. I said, oh, it's just the same as last time? No, it's a new one. I'm great. <laughs> right, Dave? <laughs> Dave came to church, folks, because we had a production. But can I just tell you something? We do these productions. Not just because we've got a shortage of things to do at Christmas time. Is anybody that stupid to think that we're doing this because we don't know what to do at Christmas time? We do it for a reason. Because it's an opportunity to invite people to experience our family. To experience what Dave felt, the love that's in this place. I'm going to tell you, that, that feeling of love in this place, that's not an accident. Because there really is a feeling of love in this place. We had a great big fundraising banquet. How many remember the fundraising banquet? It was a long, long time ago. What was it, seven days ago? <laughs> and uh, just about killed me. But anyway, we got through it. Do you know... Do you know that 50%, about 50% of the people that were at that fundraising banquet, this fundraising banquet that's happening in church, do you know that about 50% of those people don't go to church? They don't go to church anywhere. In fact, some of the people who showed up said to, to some of us who invited them, if you're doing this again, could you invite us? This blows my mind because they're, invi- they're asking us to invite them to come to our church for a fundraising banquet that goes towards our mission work. It blows me away. But you see what's happening here, folks. This is part of the discipleship process where we introduce people to Jesus Christ. We let them come and see what we're about and find out that that we're pretty normal people around here. In fact, we're pretty loving people around here. In fact, we have a great message that they need to hear. That's what we're about here at Cross Church. We're here making disciples. We give you opportunities to go and serve according to Christ's command. Remember when Jesus says, gives the gives story about the sheep and the goats? How many remember that? And he says, those who, who feed the hungry and clothe the naked and visit those who are in prison and take care of the needy, those are the ones Jesus calls his sheep. And the ones who don't do that, Jesus calls them what? The goats. 
And so we give you opportunities so that, that you can serve in those areas so that God won't call you a goat. He'll call you a sheep. And so we give you the Lighthouse Mission. We've had, I think, over 100 people go and do ministry at the Lighthouse Mission. We, we, we take you to Africa. Last year, 29 people off to Tuala. During the course of a week at Cross Church, there's over 160 people doing ministry in this church, volunteering their time. Because they understand that Jesus has called us to serve. He's called us to go and make disciples. He's called us to go and spread his love. Now that's my job, to equip you and to prepare you and to facilitate opportunities for you to do the work of Christ. That's why I do what I do. And that's why we have these events. And that's why we put on these classes, so that you could be discipled and trained and taught what it means to be a Christ follower. But folks, listen to me. That's only half the equation. The other half of the equation is that you have to engage. You've got to respond. You can't say, Pastor, (laughs) keep on doing what you're doing. And thank you, Pastor, for buying chairs with soft seats. We love sitting here and watching you break the sweat. Work your little heart out, Pastor. Way to go. Your job is to engage if you're a Christ follower. Jesus made a very, very startling comment that might come as a shock to some of you. Matthew 7, 21. Look at this. Would you read that with me? Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, if you're here this morning, you think, well, you know what, I attend church, that's good enough. It ain't. Jesus says there's a lot of people that are going to stand before him someday, and understand that we're all going to stand before Jesus someday. There's a lot of people going to stand before Jesus someday and say, Jesus, I'm in, aren't I? Lord, Lord, look at me. Remember me? And Jesus is going to look at you and say, and, and what's your name again? I don't know who you are. But Jesus, I got baptized. And Jesus is going to say, yeah, and? You see, that's not the criteria to get into heaven. Remember we talked about the purpose of the car? What is it? It's transportation from point A to point whatever. Guess what the church is? It's a car. It gets you from here into eternity. My job is to prepare you, to teach you, to do the will of the Father so that you will be able to enter heaven. Now, some people think, you know, Pastor, I said the sinner's prayer. That's good enough, isn't it? It's not. You see, what God is asking for is not for you just to say a prayer. He's not just asking you to say, yeah, God, you're right. He's asking you to do his will, to follow him, to obey him, to go to the Lighthouse Mission, to go to Africa, to go and teach Sunday school, to go and teach in Wee College, to, to help us with the ushering, to do something for Jesus. And the question is this morning, what are you doing for Jesus? And don't say to me, oh, pastor, I'm, I'm kind of retirement age. Now I've got nothing to do. I'm, I'll let the younger generation do it. I don't see any footnote in the Bible that says, once you turn 55, you're done. If that's the case, I've got five more years to go. Jesus called every one of us to be engaged in doing the will of his Father. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And the question is this this morning, will you be engaged? Will you get involved? Will you do what God's called you to do?
You see, there's no shortage of things to be done around here. Because sometimes I'm in my office, and I'm, I'm not kidding you when I say this, I'm not being melodramatic. But there's times I'm in my office, and I literally feel like crying. Because I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted with the heavy load, the heavy work that has to be done. And I'm just saying, God, please send forth workers, send forth laborers. Send somebody to help me carry the load. Listen, if our church is going to continue to grow and continue to do the things that it does, it's going to take people signing up and ready to serve and do whatever needs to be done. It's going to take people really willing to take classes to learn and to grow and to mature in the faith. But you have, to, you have to do your part. You've got to engage. You've got to sign up when I give the opportunity to sign up. You've got to go when I invite you to go. Last week we talked about engaging the next generation. Man, I've been thrilled at the way that people have responded, especially the older generation to that, saying, you're right, Pastor, we need to engage the younger generation. What are you willing to do to follow Jesus? Do you know that some people think that the primary purpose of the church is, in fact, uh, fellowship? It's, when you come to church, you should be able to have a good time with your pals, and that's what church is about. If you think that this morning, then you totally don't get it. Fellowship with other believers is fantastic. I love it. There's people at our house all the time. But fellowship is the gas in the car. The purpose, the primary purpose of the church is not fellowship. It's discipleship. It's following Jesus in obedience to him and doing his will. What are you doing? What are you doing today in obedience to Christ's call to follow him and do his will? Where are you serving? Are you giving? Are you furthering and advancing the kingdom? Because that's your job as a disciple of Jesus. I can talk till I'm blue in the face, but if you don't engage, it's all for nothing. Jesus uh, in Matthew 16, 24 said this, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would be my disciple, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Are you willing to do that? Some of you know Marilyn Wedlake. She was, uh, was the discipleship um, guru at Calvary Temple many years ago. I was about 16 years old when I met Marilyn, and she immediately began, began this process of challenging me in my faith I, had, I was teaching Sunday school. I just started teaching Sunday school, started getting involved in camps, being a camp counselor. But she, she challenged me to go to the next level, challenged me to read my Bible on a regular basis. She challenged me and asked me what I was reading. And she challenged me to, to, to go deep in the faith. And I, what I ended up doing is I, I, I wanted to be part of a, a small group. And so I, I called pa- the pastor of the church and said, Hi, my name is Alan Duncalf. I'm 16, and I want to be part of a small group. The pastor said, well, we don't really have that here. He said, but I'll talk to somebody. We'll try to make it happen. Next thing you know, we had a Bible study going. It was Marilyn Woodlake that was the catalyst. She was the one that challenged me to do that. Over the years, Marilyn at Calvary Temple trained up a whole generation of young people who are now the leaders at Calvary Temple. And when, when we started off in this church back in 1990, in this building, she came over here and she began the process here of making disciples. That's why our We College program, our, our, our Sunday school is a We College program where we are teaching the kids on our Sunday school the stuff that kids are learning in Bible college. Their kids are learning the books of the Bible off by heart. They're memorizing scripture verses. 
They're learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They're memorizing the Ten Commandments. In boot camp, the kids are memorizing massive passages of Scripture. They're being challenged to be, to be uh, people of integrity and honesty and, 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 and uh, people that can be depended upon and to be responsible. Folks, this is what we're about here, training up a whole generation of people who are serious about following Jesus. When I was a youth pastor at, at Charleswood Temple, which is now Grace Community Church, the, that, that youth group grew. Doris, you'll remember that. Our youth group finally got to the point where it was, a, it was about 50% of the church was, was our youth group. And we sent over, over almost 30 kids to Bible school. Because I believe that that is my job, to train up a generation who gets serious about following Jesus. So when you ask the question, why cross church? It's because we make disciples. That's what we're about here. Some people are comfortable with it. Some people aren't. Some say, you know, it's too much, too hard. Too much is asked of me. But people, can I tell you, when you stand before Jesus someday, he's going to ask you, did you do the will of my Father? And that's a question everybody here needs to ask themselves. Am I doing the will of the Father? Am I doing the will of the Father? If you're not sure how to answer that question, then you really need to talk to me. If you want to do more, if you are, are not where you need to be in terms of your walk with God, then you need to talk to me. I'm your pastor. It's my job to help you in your journey. Someday when we stand before Jesus, I, I want to see everybody there with me. When I stand before Christ someday and he says, Alan, did you do your job? Did you teach them how to follow me? I want to be able to look behind me. And I want to be able to see all of you there with me. And I want to, I want to be able to hear every one of you say in the face of Jesus, I was doing the will of the Father. I took the classes. I went to Africa. I invited people to church. I studied my Bible. I prayed. I followed Jesus with all my heart. Folks, if you do that, you'll make me a very happy pastor. More importantly, more importantly, you will be spending eternity with me. Because only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we, uh, we need your grace and, and your strength um, to follow you, to be true disciples. God, we are all so busy with so many demands on our time and our energy, so many demands on our wallets, our purses. There's so many demands on us, God, that we confess to you that doing the will of the Father is not always the top of the list in terms of priorities. God, I pray right now that for every one of us, doing the will of the Father would go to the top of the list, that that would be the most important thing in our day, the most important thing in our life. God, I pray right now that if there are any here who have not yet made that decision, 
to follow Jesus, to be a disciple. God, let this be the day, the day of surrender to you. Father, thank you for the privilege it's mine to be a pastor of this church, to be able to lead this congregation in discipleship. I pray now, Lord, that we as a congregation would, would engage, would respond, and be the disciples that you need us to be. We pray these things in your name. And everyone said it with me.